Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield. It's the off-season episode with your host, Todd Fox, along with... Fernando, how's it going, everybody? The Lone Star Halo, he's all over the place. He's like Carmen Sandiego, but the male version, the non-canceled version. So we'll see. Maybe he's got recasted because you never know exactly where he's at. Sometimes you see the New Jersey background. You may have a Louisiana one. He's all over the place, people. I'm currently in Memphis, so I didn't pull out like a Memphis background. I don't know what that would be. Maybe would it be like Beale Street? It could be Beale Street or it could be a fat Elvis on a toilet. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Shout out to Graceland. Honoring the people who live here. Honoring the king. <laughs> exactly. All right. So with that being said, we've got some Angels news to talk about if you haven't heard. Uh, there's been quite a few trades and also uh, pickups here by the Angels, and we're going to get into them. And we'll have Fernando start on that because uh, there's been an awful lot of news and a lot of speculation, too. So we're going to touch on all that in this episode and then uh, probably some more news and notes and more speculation on our point so or our part. So let's get started, Fernando. Well, let me first start off because I need to get better about this. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. Give us a five-star review wherever you found this podcast. Tell your friends. Check out the merch. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And make sure to follow our friends over at Catella Chronicles as well while you're at it. Wow, you know what, dude? That is perfect because you summed everything up right away. That's something we should be saying every episode, every time we're on. So I appreciate that little reminder right there because obviously five stars <laughs> helps us out big time. <clears throat> All right, Fernando. Well, let's let's take two. Let's start this one out, brother. What you got? All right. So I we haven't exactly done a formal recording since these moves really started. So it started off with the Angels signing Tyler Anderson to a three-year deal. He's going to be getting just over $13 million a year. Now, let's start off by, like, your raw thoughts. So Tyler Anderson obviously had a stellar year with the Dodgers. I mean, it literally can be understated how solid of a year it was. Now, Tyler Anderson has been around the block for a little while. The Dodgers weren't his first team. Uh, I believe he was with Pittsburgh as well. Um, yeah, so Colorado. Pittsburgh, uh, he was with the Giants, he was with Seattle, and then he was with the Dodgers last year. Now, he has a career, um, where'd it go? A career 4.16 ERA, which is serviceable. It's not stellar, it's not bad, it's serviceable. But last year, he had a 2.57 ERA with the Dodgers. He He also had 15 wins and five losses. He started 28 games last year and pitched 178.2 innings. So he was dependable. He was reliable. He went out there every few days, took the ball for the Dodgers, and gave some pretty lengthy outings if you're going to have 178 innings pitched. I agree. Um, The one thing I'll say about that, if you want my raw thoughts on it right away, is I like the numbers, 15 and 5. uh, the 257 ERA is, uh, I think, a product of Mark Pryor and the Dodgers Stadium. Uh, it's a pitcher's ballpark. Uh, I like it. the only thing that is kind of got me a little, uh, you know, perplexed a little bit is it's another lefty to add to the rotation. It's not all bad, but um, you know, I, I think if if he can get out of there with an ERA of 3.54 with us, I think it's a win. Anything over that, anything over you know, maybe close to a four is not good. 
I'd like to see him pitch at a 3.50 and, and below, but, you know, three again, I'll take that. He's a serviceable pitcher, and like you said, how many pitchers have the Angels in the Joe Madden era, the last part of Mike Sosha, have pitched over 150 innings, you know, or 120 innings even. So a, a, a guy that we're getting that he said is very dependable, pitched almost 180 innings, I'm, sign me up for that. Yeah, I mean – He's overall a winning pitcher. His career is 44 and 43. So not by much. We're essentially talking about a 500 pitcher. Yeah. Here's the thing. He doesn't have to come here to Anaheim and be the dominant guy, at least in year one. You know, maybe if Shohei Otani gets traded or becomes a free agent and leaves, then maybe we can have a situation more, uh, talk more about him potentially needing to be an ace. If, you know, guys like Patrick Sandoval or Reed Detmers can't step up in that mythical situation. But what I will say is at next season, he really just needs to be a number two, number three, number four kind of guy. You know, this is assuming no other deals are made. Now, you and I uh, talked for a couple hours yesterday off record, and we had talked about the fact that now this is going to be a very, very lefty dominated starting rotation. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Jose Suarez. Patrick Sandoval, Reed Demers, Tyler Anderson, and then you have guys like, you know, Kai Bush who are waiting in the wings. So you, you not only are going to have a log jam coming up in the organization now, because as I stated, you know, Kai Bush, and then in terms of right-handers, you have guys like Sam Bachman, you have uh, uh, Chase Silseth, uh, you had Jonathan Diaz, but for whatever reason, they non-tendered him. So he's no longer in the organization currently. Hopefully he comes back on a minor league deal because I like what he brought to the table. Yep. But what I'm saying is you're starting to have a situation where we're going to start slowly having a log jam at the starting pitching um, position. Now, that's something we have not been able to say in Anaheim for a while. Yeah. The other advantage uh, you have Griffith Can uh, Griffin Canning potentially coming back for three weeks before he gets hurt again. So, <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen with him. Maybe he gives you six weeks instead of three weeks. But uh, the point is, you know, Canning's always a guy who's had potential because of his injuries. He's never really been able to tap into that potential, unfortunately. And then, of course, you have the guys like Chris Rodriguez, who I think is best off as a bullpen arm, but he is technically a starter. So, yeah, you have you have an awful. I can't remember a time uh, in the Angels' history, even you can go to the glory days, to where you had number of pitchers ready to come up. To me, it was like if you needed a pitcher, you went out and you got a Kelvin Escobar, you got a Bartolo Colon, you got pitchers like that. They really did. They really have not spent the time or the energy on getting pitchers to develop. And the names that you just put out there is you, you basically put out with all those pitching names, you can fill three rotations full of starting pitchers. And that's crazy to think about that these are major league re ready pitchers that can make a difference and can stay on a rotation. Some may be more healthier than others, but you know what I'm saying? Like I've never seen it to where you can just pick from the minors and, and interchange and still have competitive baseball uh, being played at the starting pitcher spot. So that's that's a bonus. Um, but, you know, like like you said, I don't think they're done. Uh, if they go left-handed like we talked off air and you said that, you know, wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, 
however it's it's how they how they can pitch and well, there's different dynamics now without the shift and uh you know so it's going to be a little more challenging for these you know left-handed pitchers going against them maybe a right-handed uh dominated lineup um so we'll we'll see but i mean the potential's there for a lot of good and justin anderson fits that mold but tyler anderson Tyler Anderson, I'm sorry. I don't know why I call him Justin, but I think, too, serving him as a third or fourth would be great. I'd take the pressure off of him. Um, he's going to be the new guy on the team. Uh, $39 million is at $89 million, so there's not that kind of pressure. But the fact that he's going to be making more than most of the pitchers on the squad, um, I think not asking him to do too much if you anchor the rotation with Otani and Sandoval up top. I, I think this is a decent signing. I mean, you know, 13 million in the grand scheme of things isn't crazy. You know what? He had a great season, but the, the way baseball is nowadays, you kind of have to pay for the season that the guy had before. That's really just kind of what sports is turning into, but especially baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- this is a decent sign. You know what? You're all in on this guy. The problem with the Angels has been that they've been giving out a lot of these one-year deals, these prove-it deals. And the problem with the Angels, they're not a prove-it type of team. They don't consistently get these guys who, you know, were good or who have potential. They sign them and then they succeed here. That does not work in Anaheim, and it really hasn't as far as pitching, starting pitching, for a while, it's kind of worked with guys in the bullpen, you know, and, and there's guys who they get lucky with, like Parker Bridwell, if you remember him in yes. 2017, was great. And then they brought him back and he wasn't very good and he just kind of fizzled out eventually, mm-hmm. you know, and then bullpen guys. You had guys like Blake Parker or Hansel Robles or David Hernandez. Those guys were good. You know, they were picked out of the waiver wire came here, give an opportunity, they did well, and then they were either flipped or just they got rid of them eventually. So I, I don't know, man. Pitching is just so difficult today it, it, with the way baseball is. It's almost like running backs in the NFL. It, it's just a revolving door. You get lucky, and sometimes these pitchers catch lightning in a bottle and they figure it out, or sometimes they're one-hit wonders, they get paid, and they fizzle into irrelevance. Yeah, I think the days are gone back in the day when you'd have a Jim Abbott, Mark Langston, Chuck Finley hang out for about five to six seasons. I think asking a rotation of a of, of dominant guys like Glavin Mold, a uh, Mold, uh, Glavin Molder, <clears throat> Glavin Smoltz, and I'm forgetting the third pitcher that they had uh, back in the day, Braves. Huh? Greg Maddox? Yeah, Maddox. There you go. Um, you know, when you have guys like that, I think the last one to do it was Hudson, Molder, and Zito. Um, but when you when you can hold on to three dominant pitchers like that, it's very hard to do in this league. Um, you know, guys are like you said, revolving doors. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to keep a rotation together like that. But when you can, it's something special. And in, there's a chance here that we may have something here special. You know, we might be able to have Otani long term with Sandoval long term and Kai Bush. You know, or it could be Silseth or stuff like that. I'm kind of you know being optimistic for once and thinking this thing could can last for a while that Perry's building a good foundation of pitching 
and then it's just going to have to fill out with the lineup and and the and the bench and the depth. You know, uh, I have faith in what he's done with the bullpen. It seems like you know the arms that comes up because, like you said, they're getting away from those one year deals. They're kind of investing more in long term guys or guys through the system. So it's definitely a different culture around here. And will it continue moving forward? Will we continue to get this building blocks? Because it just feels like there's something brewing with the Angels. In a good yeah, way. we'll talk a little bit more about like how we feel these moves are going to pay out when we get to the others. Because mm-hmm. this is just move number one. But what I will say is that this is a good move. Mm-hmm. You know, will $13 million be a little bit of an overpay? Perhaps, but $13 million can also be a bargain if he even has a shred of the season he had last year. I mean, if we're talking about 12 wins, 8 losses, I'll take that with like a 3.6, 3.7 ERA, and he was our number four guy. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Even if he was our number two guy, you know what? I'll take that. He's going out there. He's staying healthy. He's giving you a chance to win. You know, and uh, nowadays, wins and losses really aren't a good way to determine a good quality pitcher. You know, I mean, look at Nolan Ryan. I mean, I don't – did he ever lead the league in wins? He may have like once or twice. He was always on crappy teams. You yeah. know what I mean? The California Angels weren't very good when he was here. I think the Mets were good, but he was just starting his career. He didn't really get a pitch an insane amount in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, he came to Anaheim. And then, you know, in Houston, I think they were good for like one year maybe. And besides that, they kind of sucked. And then when he went to the Rangers, they kind of sucked. So the point is that wins and losses don't really matter. I mean, look what happened with Sandoval last year. If you look at his win-loss total, you're like, dude, this guy sucks. And yeah. then you, you know, dive into his ERA and innings pitch, and you're like, okay, well, clearly this guy just didn't get any help. Yeah, his strikeouts were high. I mean, the the guy pitched his ass off. He just got no okay. run support. Yeah, almost almost just comically got a lack of run support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is and like you said, he I think didn't he have a better ERA than uh than our boy that just got signed? Because I think he was sub two two as well, two fifty, right? Uh, I'll look that up real quick. Sandoval was on fire last year. I know that. Like uh. He pitched to a lot of he pitched to like four, I believe, one nothing losses. So that should tell you something. And and he was pitching into the seventh inning. And credit to him, I think I only saw him get really frustrated twice, where you know he walked off really pissed off that you could tell he was mad at the hitting. Most of the time you saw him upset, he was mad at himself giving up a run or two runs here and there. But for the most part, you know, like he kept it together. I mean, he, he was definitely a pitcher that could walk into into the locker room and throw shit and you couldn't like laugh at him you couldn't say hey that he's wrong for that you'd be like yeah he has every right to be as pissed off as he was so he was six and nine with a 2.91 era so not quite as good as tyler anderson's 2.57 but i mean once you're in the twos we're comparing you know apples to oranges yeah yeah I mean, I guess that's probably a bad comparison, but you know, we're comparing like Coca Cola and Pepsi. I mean, it's a preference at that point. Yeah, you know, two point five is better than two point nine one. But are we really going to complain about two point nine one? You know, most people might prefer Coke, but if you go to a restaurant, they're like, "We only have Pepsi." Most people are like, "Whatever." Mm-hmm. So that's my point there. 
you know, I'm not going to argue who's the better two, uh, two ERA pitcher. I'll take either one, to be honest. Yeah. You know, obviously Anderson's numbers look better because he was on a more competitive team. His team gave him more run support. But, you know, Patrick Sandoval pitched 148.2 innings. That's also not bad at all. I mean, he had a very serviceable uh, season. And overall, he's a 3.70 uh, ERA player. He's had a pretty good career. Yeah, it just hasn't translated wins and losses. If, I, if I'm mistaken, I think he's like something like 20 games under 500 as a starter. He's 10 and 24. Yeah, yeah. So he's something <laughs> Yeah, he has a winning percentage. But but if if you look back, though, that's the funny thing. Chuck Finley, I think, is the all time uh, wins leader for the Angels. But if you look at 150 wins, yeah, I think Jared Weaver's like 149 or so. Yeah, he he fell like one or two short. But Chuck, it's funny, his career that's why I think he's Sandoval's Chuck 2.0. Because if you look at Chuck's career, the first couple seasons, he didn't exactly rack up the wins. He came out of the bullpen, and then he uh, he started as, as a starter, and he suffered two really sucky years the same way Sandoval did uh, with the Angels where he just couldn't get the Ws, but he was getting the innings, he was getting the strikeouts. I think eventually Sandoval is going to get to Chuck's status to where he's he's racking up double-digit wins every year. I think he'll get there, uh, and, and it might be this season upcoming. Uh, just just give him three or four runs, uh, and I think he and, – and, 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 you know – it could be the same thing with our new acquisition. He could come out there the same way and, and start getting to W's just the way he did with the Dodgers with some better run support. And we'll go over that too, like you said, talking about the lineup later. But that plays a big part into it because, again, we I mean, you could you could watch Angels baseball all season and we just set it like a broken record. Boy, if you just give these pitchers a, a, a run or two more, imagine the, the record of the team and the record of these starting pitchers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, all we can do is hope. Uh, but overall, I, I like the Anderson acquisitions. Uh, do you have anything else about this one before we move to the next one? No, I think we covered most of it, yeah. I, I mean, I like Justin now the in the rotation. Okay, so uh, Gio Urshela was the next move that was made. I mean, what, it was the next day? Mm-hmm. No, it was two days later. Anderson was the signed on the 16th. And then the Urshela move was announced on the 18th. And Gio Urshela uh, was a uh, infielder who was brought over from the Minnesota Twins. And we gave up a pitcher named Alejandro Hidalgo. And then we gave up Elvis. Or was oh, that it was for Hunter. Oh, that was for Hunter. Oh, yeah, my bad. That's another one later. Yeah, th- this one, look, I this one still is the jury's out on this one. I like his numbers. What was it 13 homers, 64 or 74 RBIs, something like that? Uh, 275 hitter, something like that. Four RBIs, yeah. Yeah, he's he's decent. We know that. You know, he's he has a, a history with the Yankees, history with the, the Twins. Uh, decent infielder. There's nothing, you know, a lot of people looked at this and said, oh, it's a depth move. Now it could be a starting move. Uh, I think what you said off air, and I, and I think the same is – this is a got to be a move to set up another move, you know, like, cause, cause where he's at right now is like, okay, there's a log jam in the infield. I, I do like the acquisition. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I'm right now perplexed on where they exactly are going to put him because I don't see him as a platoon guy. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like some of the early writers that wrote about this move saying, Oh, well, Rendon 
it'll be when Rendon um, gets hurt. Yeah, gets hurt, platoon, whatever. I don't see them platooning Rendon. I, I think you have to put Rendon out there almost at least if you're playing seven games a week, five of the seven, or if you're playing six games a week, four of four of the six or five of the six. I don't see him platooning, dude. I don't either. You pay Rendon way too much money to platoon him. Now, it's a little different. Maybe if this is like the last year or two of his contract and he's getting up there in age, he's like 36, 37, so you need to take him off his feet a little bit. That's different. But we're still talking about a guy who's, what, 31 years old maybe, 32 for Mm -hmm. Rendon. He still has four more years, I believe, on his deal. And he has not really earned the $90 million he's – gotten in his first three seasons because he's been injured mm-hmm. you know you can say whatever you want about well he had a solid 2020 he wasn't paid to have a solid 2020 he was paid to have an mvp caliber season you know he got some mvp growth uh, mvp votes great but it was a shortened season if we're not going to count the dodgers or we're going to put an asterisk next to them we're going to put an asterisk next to the 2020 anthony Rendon because that's ultimately what the entire season uh, for 2020 deserves 2021 hardly played 2022 hardly played i'll give Rendon a little bit of credit because he came back at the very end to serve his suspension and you know what he didn't have to do that he could have been selfish and been like nah i'm good man i'm going to hang out here in my uh, in my house in texas Quick, Quick question on that one. That's a very good point. Was, to you, was that the first time because of the way he's spoken out about not caring about the fans, not caring about what people think? Do you think that's the first time that he's put this team ahead of everybody and including himself by by making that move? You know, it's really unfair to put that kind of stuff on Anthony Rendon. Like, I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, you guys do it all the time. What I always say about our podcast and our page is that we – Take what fans are feeling at that exact moment of time, unfiltered, and throw it into the universe. That's why a lot of people like our page. How we feel is how they feel. And we just throw it out there. And they're like, this is what I feel right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we clown on Rendon a lot. So this was definitely encouraging to see a, a team first mindset. I think he is a very team-oriented guy. You know, he seems to have the guys laughing when he's in the dugout. I mean, the guy hit a left-handed home run to lighten the mood of a game that realistically, you know, we were killing. Was it the Rays? Yeah, it was the Rays. We were blowing them out. Was that the day that Walsh got the uh... the cycle? cycle? Was it that day? I think so because they were just, they were just hitting everything like no matter what they pitched it just didn't matter. It feels like a different lifetime ago. <laughs> it, does. it does. So I I don't remember who was against, but um, yeah. And he I'll went over say, the. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, go ahead. You're good. I was just gonna babble, so. No, go babble on. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I mean, I, I was just gonna say. It's really unfair to just assume that Rendon wants to sit out and that he wants to be a productive and that he just wants to milk the cash cow that's been already, at least for bad contracts. So, you know, like I said, I'm all about giving the devil his due when it's earned. And I know you're the same way. We'll call people out. We'll call the team out on BS. But when a player or the team or even Artie Moreno does something positive, 
we're always first in line to praise the move. So the fact that Rendon did come back, you know, against the odds, because he he had a season-ending injury, right? Mm-hmm. He came back against the odds, and he even played, what, two games? Yeah, he, he actually got in the lineup for at least, I think it was six to eight at-bats, so that's not bad. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what, man, I'll tip my cap to him, and I'll say that hopefully this was a good momentum shift for him. Hopefully this kind of gave him that little bit of taste of competitiveness. Not because the team was, you know, competitive at the the last series of the year, but because he competed against the odds, he was told one thing, and he had obviously something inside of him click. Where he was like, you know what, I can do this. I can't come back. Yeah, and I think he won over some fans there towards the end when they got into that fight with the Mariners. Uh, he was first out of the dugout. He didn't have to be there. He had a cast on his freaking arm and swung with his cast. So I think that, you know, when we did the post game and we did other stuff after that, you know, people kind of tied the tide kind of changed yep. a little bit. And I think that's what I is frustrating to Angel fans is they want to see a little bit more emotion out of him. They'd like to see him give an interview or two. I think I think this team has too many guys that just either don't talk English and don't want to do an interview, or they just don't want to do an interview. You know, Trout's a very quiet guy. You know, Otani has too many cameras on him as it is. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to give an interview, even if he was fluent or comfortable speaking English, like most of these players are. You know, they're they're, they're comfortable in their native language, and that's understandable. Um, but my point being is, you know, I think they just need more vocal stars in this team. And I think Rendon, if he were to turn the page and have a good season, not even an MVP season, let's just say he puts up 25 home runs and, and 89 RBIs. I think every Angel fan would sign up for that. And if he were to do that, maybe, you know, hit a game winner, a walk off and just say a few things to the fans and tip his cap every now and then this fan base would go gaga over that. Yeah, I mean, God, give me a 280 hitting season. I mean, I, that, that's not incredible, and you're not getting paid about 280. But, you know, if you're going to give me 160 games and you're going to bat 280 and, you know, give those other stats you're talking about with, you know, good defense, because he's good defensively. Oh, yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that any day. You know, and I get it. There's different ways to lead. But the thing is that the Angels haven't had a vocal leader. There's a lot of these other teams that do. And I know that was one of Perry's big things this offseason. He wants to bring personality back into the, the clubhouse. Now, one way to do that is by, you know, giving some of these young guys a shot because the young players are much different than, you know, even guys who are like the middle of their career, like the Trouts and the Rendones of the world. You know, because 10 years ago when Trout was coming up, rookies weren't supposed to talk. They were supposed to come up and play, and that was it. And that's how baseball and really sports was forever. It wasn't until maybe the last, like, five or six years, really in all sports, that we've kind of started to see personalities start to flash through. You know, you had it with football for a while with guys like, you know, Terrell Owens and stuff, but they were the exception, not the rule. Yeah, they were they were more yeah, me first yeah, they're me first and team first. Exactly. And now we're, we're in a situation where these young guys, you know, a lot of young Latin guys, and, you know, you're starting to see some young uh, black guys. And obviously you you have 
uh, the guys from from Asia who are coming over. There's some flair now in the game. Uh, there's a little more um, uh, what's the word? Cultural inclusion. And, and that's making the game of baseball a little more exciting to watch. And then obviously you have these young teams like like the Padres, who a lot of baseball fans like to see because they have these young, uh, you know, foreign players who bring energy. And that's kind of the new age of baseball that we've seen over the last five years. And, you know, I'm here for it. This team hasn't really had that. You saw it a little bit when, like, Adele and Brandon Marsh were playing together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you started to bring the other young guys in, you know, you see it with like Suarez and some guys like that. But, um, yeah, I, I really think that some personality will really go a long way to helping this organization. Yeah, it's a let the, let the kids play movement. And, yeah. and like you said, the Padres, a few other teams, the Red Sox from a couple of years ago. Um, if you're out there, it's, it, it gets not only the American-born players hyped up, you know, because when you look at the Padres, I mean, every player on that team was going crazy and having a good time, and that's what you like to see. The Phillies were a little bit like that. Uh, so if, if you get everyone, you know, pumped up, you get rid of the whole unwritten rule kind of BS, the whole, like, this is your grandfather's baseball. If you lose that kind of aspect, I think it's good for baseball. Baseball's got to change with the times. It's beginning to with some of the rule changes, trying to get the game a little faster. But um, going back to Urshela, uh, where does he fit in here? I think that, that one is still a question mark in my book. I, I like the signing. Um, if he were, if he's depth, I don't think it's a good move. I think he's got to play almost every day. And, uh, but where do you put him? And so I think it's an incomplete for me. Uh, if I'm going to give a grade, like if you're giving me a grade on Anderson, I'm going to say that's a B plus a minus type move. Uh, but on Urshela, I have to have that at incomplete cause we just don't know where he fits yet. Yeah, now he's primarily been a third baseman for the bulk of his career. He he had a couple games at shortstop. Uh, but I think I remember reading a tweet. Uh, I think it might have been by Ken Rosenthal uh, saying that uh, Perry says that Urshela's sec, uh, second best position is first base. Uh, so if that's the case, maybe it's a first base move. And, you know, obviously that kind of adds another ripple to this. You know, the organization isn't sold on Walsh. We have that in good authority. Why? Who knows? Maybe it's because of his injury. Maybe they think it's a lot more severe. Uh, Maybe it's because of his inconsistencies. He's really hot, and then he's really not. Maybe it's because they truly don't think that he has what it takes to hit left-handed pitching. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure. The way I view it, if that is the case, then Walsh is probably a trade chip. Yeah, because had they not made that other move with the Brewers, I would have thought, you know, if Urshel is going to move to first, maybe Walsh goes to right or left. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously then the other move took place. Correct. But, um, yeah, Urshela is a solid big league player. So he is worth was worth 3.1 wins above replacement last year. He took a 501 at bat, so it's a large sample size. Uh, like you said earlier, he hit 13 home runs. He batted 285, and he got 64 RBIs. So, you know, if he's going to be batting 7th or 8th for you, that's not a bad place to be. He has a 338 on base percentage, and his career is 321. So he gets on base. He takes the walks. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a good move in that sense. They gave up almost nothing to get him. They gave up a minor league pitcher named Alejandro Hidalgo, 
And uh, he is a career 4.64 pitcher in the minors. And what? He was born in 2003. So he's obviously very, very early on in his career. I mean, he hasn't made it beyond uh, Inland Empire yet, which is low A. So we're talking about a guy who's four years away. Three, three or four years, potentially. And that's if all goes well. But obviously, like we already said, we're going to have a situation where we have a little bit of a logjam brewing in terms of starting pitching and in terms of the bullpen. So you can afford to get rid of some guys like this, even for Gio Urshela, who's only under team control for one more year. I, I The one thing that just snaps out at me, it's not even the home runs or the RBIs, it's the 285. You know, coming off the last couple of seasons where this team, if you got a hitter over 249, you're, you're throwing a parade. Uh, you know, 285, your on-base percentage, like you're talking about walks, I think that's going to play into the, the category of, you know, a guy who's familiar with him and Thames it is, the hitting coach, and, you know, working walks, being patient. He's trying to get that New York mentality on the West Coast, which I, I hope happens here. Um, you know, more more trouble on the bases, like Gooby always says. You know, you want to keep pressuring the pitchers, something that we didn't do as an organization. So, yeah, if this dude's playing every day, 285, obviously things like that, I'm, I'm all in. So baseball reference projects that he's going to get about 520 plate appearances. They're projecting he's going to hit 14 home runs, so he'll have one more than last year, 60 RBIs. They're projecting him to bat 271 with the 320 on base percentage. I'll take that in a heartbeat. I agree. Give me that right now. So, yeah, and he's only 31. Mm-hmm. He's going to be 31. So, you know, he's about to hit free agency. So this is a prove-it year for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even – who knows? Maybe he has a solid season. And then maybe you talk about extending him to, you know, a, a two-year deal maybe. Uh, that way you can give guys like Neto, potentially Jeremiah Jackson, some time to brew and, and see what happens. And that's assuming, you know, he he, he goes to shortstop or second base. Um, you know, if he is going to first base, well, then that's a completely different situation. But like you said, this is definitely a question mark move. Not in the sense of it's a bad, bad move. I think, you know, if we're looking at it for what it is, and if you're truly going to use him every day, this is a B, B-plus move. But, you know, you're going to have to find a consistent home for him because he's proven throughout his career that if he gets consistent at bats, he'll be a productive Major League player. And that's what the Angels need. You know what? I said last year during the offseason that the Angels need to stop getting the big name and start getting the right names. And this is an example of the Angels not getting the big name. This is them getting the right name. This isn't the sexy move. This isn't Carlos Correa. This isn't Xander Bogarts. But this is a guy who's going to help your team progress in a positive direction. Because we've already talked about Tyler Anderson and Gio Urshela, who combined are over seven win above replacement players. And we haven't even talked about Hunter Renfro yet. So being conservative, these two guys alone are going to give you about Six wins, and that's being conservative. And it's actually, you know, like I'm glad you brought that up because not only is it not overshooting and getting the Carlos Correas, which 
may or may not be the right moves for this particular organization at this particular time because the in we're being in flux with the, you know the potential trade or not potential trade potential sell and all the other stuff that's going on along with Artie but also we're not bargain basement shopping so we're not going with the players that you talked about earlier in the show extra seller yeah where you're just getting guys who may it's not a proven a contract it's a can you still do it you know <laughs> and we get those kind of contracts so uh i do like this because we're we we are you know we're not giving up a lot and we're not giving up uh the future and we're still getting a solid player for at least a season and then we have our option of hey do we want to keep this guy a part of the angels did he fit in really good or or is this a guy that's just gonna be a stepping stone like you said for netto and other guys in the organization and either way so be it yeah, because we're helping him and he's helping us. Exactly. You know, he's going to want to come here and he's going to want to prove going into his first free agency that he has what it takes to get a big contract, right? That's the goal for everybody. Correct. So, you know, we'll see what happens with him. And that's the same thing with our next move. I believe Hunter Renfro is also a free agent after this year. Mm-hmm. Now, Hunter Renfro was acquired from the Milwaukee Brewers and we gave up Jansen Junk, Elvis Pagura, and Adam uh, Seminaries. So we're essentially talking about two mid-pitchers, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've heard that term, Todd, since you know you're a grandpa. But uh, you know, mid is what people my age or high school or college people say for average. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't know. I'm, I'm educated. Um, stop mansplaining. Um, no. I... <laughs> oh, here we go with this shit again. <laughs> no, I think. Uh... Look, Elvis left the building for me last year. I didn't have any faith in him. He just—he was a wild pitcher with a lot of potential. I think Jason Junk is another guy that was in the Met, uh, Yankee st- um, system, uh, a lot of potential, but you know couldn't find you know the plate at times. It's time we pass guys like that along. Now I don't have the scouting report on the on the other uh, you know prospect that we sent towards him. But, you know, hey, Milwaukee got three pitchers out of it. Maybe they can resurrect one of those guys, and, and the, the future comes through as well with a prospect. But I think for what we got, Renfro, if you're going to read his numbers off, is very solid. Yeah, so I remember Hunter Renfro as a Padre. Um, his defense back then was not the best. Um, people claim that his defense has gotten a lot better. He was He always had a strong arm. We're talking like a Yasil Puig type of arm in the outfield. And, you know, say what you want about Puig's playing style, but the guy had a great arm. Mm-hmm. Same with Cole Calhoun, great arm. So Hunter Renfro is going to give you that same kind of thing. Seems like he's kind of become more accurate with his arm, which is good. The Angels have not had the best defensive success in the outfield over the last couple of seasons. You had Justin Upton, who was a defensive liability. Obviously, you know, Trout's good when healthy, but he's not great at defense anymore. And I think the health is one of his biggest issues. Mm-hmm. And then you have Joe Adele, who will either rob a home run in between his legs while doing a cartwheel, or he's going to miss an easy pop-up. You know, there's no in between with Joe Adele. He makes a stellar play where he, you know, he makes some amazing diving catch, or it's just. Yeah, you hold your breath every time the ball's headed his way. Even even on a ground ball, because I've seen a couple ground balls headed his way and they go under his legs. I'm like, ah, shit, there's a triple. Yeah, because at least with Joe Adele, whenever that ball's hit to him, it's going to be something worth garnering a reaction. (laughs) It's either going to be, yes, what a catch, or it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's one of those where you're at the 
where you're at the stadium and you see like like if you if you hit a ball up the center field and the let's let's just say there's a runner at first base and you hit one in the center field trout's on his way to get it and you I look towards the runner to see if the the advanced runner gets to third. You know what I mean? Like I'm watching if, if there's going to be potentially Trout trying to gun him out at third or if the runner's going to be able to make it to third, whatever like that. When it's Adele, I caught myself watching him the entire time, not focusing on the base runners. I'm like, okay, is he going to safely secure the ball and throw the ball to the correct cutoff guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly what you said. <laughs> Um, so let's get to talking about Hunter Renfro and his numbers for last year. So we had 474 at bat, so not as much as Urshela. 121 hits, hit 29 home runs, batted 255, 72 RBIs, and had non-base percentage of 315. <clears throat> okay. So he gets on base. His batting average isn't the sexiest, but, you know, I mean, it's not like Justin Upton's had some amazing batting averages his last couple seasons with the Angels. <laughs> Yeah, 228 would have been great for Justin Upton. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, You know, the fact that he got 72 72 RBIs last year, I'll take that. Getting on base, uh, you know, 31% of the time, I'll take that too. You know, we just need somebody to come over here, provide us some above-average defense. You don't have to make any sexy catches, but make the routine plays, which it seems like Renfro has done a better job of. You know, hold the runners from advancing from, you know, second to third, which he has the arm to do that. Um, And, you know, he has the potential to hit 30 homers a season. You know, I think he's going to be more in the 25 ballpark. But, heck, I'll take that too. You know, it's a good move. Like you said, you gave up three pitchers, two of which just have potential, and then one of them was a minor league guard. So I think Jansen Junk one day will be a solid major league pitcher. We just, you know, don't have the time for that right now. We need to prove to Otani that we're trying to win right now if you want to keep him long-term. And if he does leave, well, you need to be able to win. So You plug these two guys in the lineup. Like you said with Urshela, you could have him around seven or eight. You could do the same thing with Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro wasn't batting one through five in the Brewer lineup, Uh, maybe every now and then, but he was more towards the back of the lineup, no pressure on him. Uh, you know, again, uh, he was shifted on. I think when I did the show with Catella Chronicles, they said he was shifted on over 400 times. So you're not going to have that luxury with him. So you, you'd imagine his average would go up, and he's probably an everyday hitter. He's not going to platoon too much. Adele's going to have to steal at bats from him with his, you know, resurgence or good play. So you know, it's a plus plus because he's going to push. Uh, Adele to make the most of every at bat that he can get. Uh, Renfro's a proven starter. Uh, now you have an outfield with Taylor Ward, who's who's pretty decent and who's uh, in right now, or I think he's going to move to left. And Renfro, it's one of those two. Renfro's um, going to right. Yeah, Renfro's going to right. You got Ward in left, which is pretty decent, and you got Trout in center. You could platoon with or or have defensive substitutions later on. So, I mean, I like the move. Uh, I like the move a lot. And like you said, I'm on board with a 25 to 80 RBI type guy or 25 homers to 80 RBIs, maybe a two, if he hits 265, close to 270. Give me that all day because, again, that's an upgrade completely. If you look at it real quick, you know, if Ward can give you what he did last year and a little bit better with, you know, without the injuries and without the big time slump, uh, if he hits you about 25 to 27, if, if uh, you know, 
Trout gives you a full season, he'll hit 50. And then you look over there at Renfro, he should hit you at least 25. You're talking about 100 home runs just in your outfield. He's projected to have 25 home runs this year. He's also projected to bat 247, have an on-base percentage of 308. With 73 RBIs. Once again, you know what? I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. It's more production than we've had recently in the outfield. Now, unfor- uh, unfortunately, with the acquisition of Mickey Moniak last year, I think that Adele's the odd man out still. I think he's asked out. And I think we're in a situation where we really legitimately might be talking about Joe Adele as a trade piece. You know, I'm not, it's really tough because if you ask me, you know, for a hundred straight days, half of those days, I'm going to tell you that we should move on and trade Adele. The other half of those days, I'm going to be like, you know what, maybe we should give him a chance. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to get that chance this year. Assuming there's no major injuries. You know, I don't project, Trout to play more than like 140 games this year. You know, he's had these small minor injuries that take him out for about 20 to 30 games a year. And I just think that Trout's at that age, unfortunately, where that's going to be the case. You know, you have Moniak, who's probably your fourth outfielder. You have Taylor Ward, who hopefully he doesn't run into any cement walls this year. And then now you have Renfro. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be really, really hard for Joe Adele to get some playing time. And, and ultimately, if there's a deal for him, I think the Angels move on from him and they package his with maybe a Suarez, maybe a Walsh. There's just a long list of guys right now who you can actually move on from. And the organization might actually be better for the right pieces. I believe I believe you're right. I mean, they, they have this, – this guy has been rumored to be moved a lot. He's been getting – a lot of people like myself – Feel that he had the raw end of the deal like last year like this year if he puts it, the team together he get more depth i don't think you could look at it and say well, we have the luxury of sending him uh you know or keeping him on the roster you know we should send him up and down till he gets his finds his way i think they sent him up and down too much last year with a mediocre roster like if you look at what he did last year uh let's see 2002 or 2022 uh stats 268 at bats only 22 runs scored he had just 60 hits, 224 average, eight home runs, and 27 RBIs, four stolen bases. You look at Mickey Moniak right now. <clears throat> Last year, uh, 125 at-bats, 22 runs, so less than half of the at-bats that, uh, that Adele had, he had um, uh, the same amount of runs. He had 39 hits compared to Adele's uh, 60. Uh, he had eight home runs and 20 RBI, so nearly the same stats all the way through. Five stolen bases, but he had a 3.12 average combined with, uh, you know, uh, with the Phillies and Angels. So he actually hit really good with the Angels when he came up. My question to you is, if you're going to go with Adele or Moniac, which one do you go with? Are, are are you sold on Moniac just getting his opportunity with a new team, like like? Basically, let me rephrase that. Do you think a change of scenery helped Moniac get in? Because we saw him make strides before he got hurt again uh, because he was doing really good. He's probably one of the Angels' hottest hitters for a two-week period. Um, do you think that change of scenery is going to get Moniac to where the Phillies thought he was going to be? And do you think Adele getting a change of scenery can get him where he's got to be? I don't think Moniac's ever going to be a um... – what the Phillies expect him to be. I mean, he was what the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't think he's ever going to be what you expect out of some a pick like that. But I do think he might be able to be a, a Taylor Ward type guy with so maybe that change of scenery does help him. Maybe Mickey Moniak's the piece that 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 gets traded. But at the end of the day, one of those guys is the odd man out. And both of those guys would probably benefit from some consistent playing time. Uh, I think Adele probably has more trade value at the end of the day. Uh, but, I mean, both of the guys have been streaky. Both of the guys have shown flashes. But ultimately, neither of the guys have really been able to translate it to any long-term success. But uh, but we'll see. I mean, Perry's definitely not done. These aren't going to be the three biggest moves by the end of the uh, season. I don't uh, the end of the offseason. Sorry, I don't think the Angels are going to make much of a splash anymore in terms of free agents. I, I think Tyler Anderson was the big guy in terms of free agency. But there'll be a couple other trades that are made. You know, they're, they're going to be running out of budget pretty soon here. Artie never really gets too close to the luxury tax. And we're already on pace to have the highest opening day payroll in Angels history. So he's going a little beyond probably what he would have liked. But I think he's trying to, uh, you know, appeal to some new buyers. So that's probably why. But, you know, assuming there isn't a new ownership group who's already taking form and gives already the green light to just keep on spending to get the team to contention. Um, I, I think Perry will have to get smart with his moves as he starts running out of capital let's just see the roster goes in the way it is right now obviously there's still a lot more changes that are going to take place yeah. do you do you uh which one do you keep up since we're on this moniac and adele thing real quick uh, before we get back to hunter but which one would you give the nod to like as far as like if you had to pick one to be on your opening day roster which one would it be man that's really tough um, I'd have to look at what Moniac's numbers are like in AAA, but the thing with uh, Joe Adele is, as of right now, he's been a 4A player. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll send him down to AAA, and he's doing pretty good there. You know, it looks like he has his confidence back. He's hitting dingers. He's, you know, he's playing some average defense, and then you call him up to the show, and it's like, duh, how do I make that catch again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead. So I, I was just going to say, so it really depends. I'd have to look at Moniac's AAA numbers, but assuming he's probably along the same lines, which I would imagine he probably is if the Phillies moved away from him, I, I don't know. You know, we're essentially talking about those same players. Yeah, I mean, the, Moniac's numbers, his averages are only around hovering around 250, 240. In uh, yeah, in AAA. So it's not like he was tearing it up. Like, at least in uh, – in the stats that we have as far as, uh, you know, with our boy Adele, he did a lot better in when he was down there in, in AAA. Like, he was tearing it up close to 400 at times. My only thing with Moniac is if, if I would probably start him on the major league roster only for the fact that if he's going to come in, he's, you know, we trust his glove a little bit better and the speed factor. I mean, he could come on and pinch run, and uh, he's to me, he's smarter on the bases. So many times last year we saw Adele just make boneheaded moves where he ignored a go-home sign and stopped, or he waited too long on a fly ball to judge if it was going to fall or not, um, you know, getting into uh, just stupid pickles. Uh, he, he took a lot of, uh, you know, guys off. He took himself and us out of innings. So 
I would have to go with that. Unless Adele's had a hell of an offseason, a great spring training, I would have to give the nod to Moniak. Yeah, honestly, that's one of those flip of the coin moves, to be honest with you. I don't really think there's a there's a right answer there just because, you know, Joe Adele needs consistent time up in the majors, but I don't think the Angels can give him that. So, you know, I, honestly, I, I think you just have to find a suitor for him who's, you know, you're going to be able to get a piece that might be able to help and and go from there. You know, maybe it's a team like Cleveland or Oakland or Tampa Bay who's able to develop these kind of guys. Uh, now, along with the topic of Tampa Bay, there's a lot of Angels fans, Randy being one of them, who wants Tyler Glass now. And I know we talked a little bit about this on the chat, but what do you think of, on Tyler Glass now? Is that somebody you take a look at? I would if if he's if he's available and Tampa's looking to move him. Obviously, a long term deal would be kind of you know like a, a new ownership type deal. So that's out of the question. Tyler Glass now can give you a lot of innings, but you know he has been you know subject to some injuries, and uh, I think Tampa Bay wants to move away from that. They're all about consistency. Uh, so I mean, he's when he's out there. I mean, he's one of the better pitchers in the league, dude. Uh, that there's no question about it. There's no uh, stoppage in his game. There's no slump in his game. The only thing that takes him out is injury, whether it's nagging, whether it's just arm issues, whatever. But uh, you know, other than looking like the uh, ringer for the lead from the Pinky Blinders, I mean, the guy's got good stuff, and uh, I, I think he he would fit in good here. But what would you have to do to give up to to get him? You know, like like I'm on, I'm more on board with who you were talking about in the chat, which was Shane Bieber. But Glassnow, um, yeah, if if Glassnow came available, I'd take a shot at him, dude. I really would. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Glassnow obviously has, has had some solid seasons, but he's still a career four ERA pitcher. True. Once again, we're talking about a guy who has injuries. We're talking about a guy who uh, admitted to things like spider tech being beneficial because he said, well, you know, guys are going to get injured if they don't use spider tech because then they have to get a different grip of the ball. Then they get rid of spider tech and he immediately gets injured. Hmm. So obviously there was truth to what he said, but can he even pitch without spider tech? Oh, well, Fernando, he had a 1.35 ERA. Yeah, well, he pitched six innings. So, yeah, in two games, I mean, it, it goes back to me, the, the, the pirates, when they had all these guys and, and, you know, um, the name ex- escapes me, the one that went to, uh, you know, they had Jamison Tyon, uh, obviously he's in New York, uh, the pitcher that went to the Padres, um, you know, yeah, so Musgrove. yeah, Musgrove, yeah, glass. Now these guys are good, solid pitchers. And change of scenery helped them out. Um, with with him, you know, saying what he said and then coming up with the injury, yeah, it's, that's concerning. But I mean, let's just say, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say. You know, Tampa's not in that position where they're Colorado or they're Pittsburgh to where you know they're going to be sucking and they're going to be looking to move the guy. Now they might move him for the right price and might right players now, uh, considering it's the off season, but. Once they get going, the glass now sweepstakes are going to be gone, I think, uh, because that's a team that's the American League East. Uh, they're going to be contending. And so 
I, if you're going to make a move on a guy like that, you'd have to do it this offseason. You have to do it during the winter meetings. So you'd have to trust that you know that what you're getting back and what you're giving up is going to be equal or better value for you. And you got to trust that Glass now is going to turn it around from last year. And that's a, that's a big question mark. I know, like you said, Angel fans are very warm on that. But, again, what are you going to give up? And can you trust him? You don't want to get into an albatross to where you gave up too much and you don't get nothing back. Yeah, I mean, if it's up to me, there's really almost no move that I'd – well, I mean, if we're talking about like a Geo or Shella kind of move where, you know, we give up like somebody low in the minors for Tyler Glass now, then sure, but the Rays aren't going to do that. They're going to want some return for him. So I, I just don't think the return will be worth it. If we're going to give up guys like – you know, Ty Bush, Luis Renjifo, and um, Jose Suarez to get Tyler Glass now, I'm going to say no. Because th- that's the kind of package you're going to need. Yep. You're going to need a guy who's right on the cusp, like Ty Bush, a guy who's been there and kind of done that, like Luis Renjifo, and a guy who just needs more reps to become really dominant, like Jose Suarez. You know, if I'm going to trade those three guys, you know, I want somebody who's more consistent, somebody who's not as injured, somebody who doesn't have a career for ERA. So, yeah, Glasnow is a name that's been thrown around a lot, but I- I'm going to have to say no. For realistically, what I'm going to have to trade to get him, it's not worth it. I don't think we're going to get what we want out of him. I agree all the way, Fernando, because does it fit the recent three moves that we just talked about, bro? It doesn't. Like, to me, this is uh, this is high risk. Um possibly high or low reward what we've done recently with these three pickups is low risk high reward you know we're not throwing a lot on the table to get these players in here you you know like we've already discussed you know they're they're improved me contracts we didn't give much up to get these guys or or pay too much to get the anderson you know now it's 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 they've got the you know anderson's got the resume these other guys got the resume it's a safer pick pickup and glass now doesn't fit those molds yeah, so there'll definitely be some more trades that happen. Perry's definitely not done. There, you know, maybe you get a couple other bullpen arms. I mean, they did sign two um, bullpen pieces who are, you know, who have been successful in the past, mm-hmm. and they're trying to regain uh, four. But, yeah, that's just kind of what you have to do with the bullpen. I mean, Jonathan Holder was one of the guys, and then Chris Davinsky. So, you know. Both haven't exactly been – oh, and sorry, also Jacob Webb. So all three of those guys haven't exactly been dominant recently. But, you know, you're giving them minor league contracts. You're telling them to show up to spring training. You know, hopefully one of those guys hits. And even if only one of them hits, then, hey, that's not that bad. Yeah, it's not. And, and again, pitching is not the issue. We got a lot of arms that are going to be pushing these veterans that are left on the roster or that we bring in. It's going to be a vice versa. The veterans are going to try to hold their spot and, and and make a spot on the roster while these young kids are going to try to prove themselves and get up there. And, and I think it's a good good way for Perry to keep both sides very motivated to stay on the roster and pitch their way into a, into a, a role because that's what uh, every bullpen pitcher wants is a role, a, an established role. And, uh, you know, with right now – not knowing if we're going to go out there and get an established closer off the free agent market or if we're going to trade for one. Now everyone's mindset right now is that could be mine. 
if I just do this, this, and this. And you got certain guys that are going to be battling for that spot. So I think it's healthy as of right now. And obviously, like you said, there's more trades to come. There's more free agency signings. So um, we'll see what this roster looks like. But from what they've done so far, um, it's definitely different from what we've seen in the past. And and uh, and I like it. I'm very I'm very optimistic about it. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I'm. I don't think that I'm trying to think if there's any real like other rumors that I've heard. Like I know that Glass now is the one that's been throwing around. I know you have some people who are still clamoring for a catcher, but I think they're happy with Logan Ohapi and hopefully giving him more of a role this year. Obviously, they still have Stassi. Um, you know, Walsh and Fletcher, their names have been thrown around as guys who aren't tr- who uh, the organization isn't sold on. You know, I know uh, Perry would be happier with like a guy like Fletcher coming off the bench. Maybe that's because of a health thing. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, you you're a couple of depth pieces away. You know, I, I think maybe you reach back out to a guy like a Matt Duffy. Maybe you get him back on a one-year deal again, you know, just as a depth piece. I, I didn't hate what we saw out of him when he was playing. I think if he's coming off your bench, it's not that bad. You know, he has experience. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Time will tell. Overall, I like these three moves. I like the minor league signings for the bullpen guys. Give those guys an opportunity. I'm still not fully satisfied, but it's nice to be in a situation where the Angels are one of the most active teams so far during the offseason. Yeah, and like you said, time will tell when we get into the winter meetings uh, if this is going to continue. I I just have seen a couple seasons go where the Angels started out with a couple big splashes and then they were just done and they didn't do anything at all. I mean, up until spring training, you just had minor little moves here and there. Um, so I, I will be you know, watching exactly what Perry does moving forward. I would love to see a few more trades for depth, obviously, like you said. And the closer, you know, um, closer role, how is that going to be? You know, I, I mean, idealistically, I'd like a, a fearful closer coming out of the pen. That was that was one of the things I looked forward to at the start of the season was knowing that we had a back end of the bullpen that looked pretty dominant with uh, Tapera and, uh, you know, Loop and, uh, and Glacius. Uh, but that obviously has changed now, so not having a flamethrower back there, who's going to get the job? I know you mentioned Tapera and Loop could probably start out. And then uh, we'll see if Herget can work his way in there. But, um, you know, there's some roster spots to be filled. Um, I I'm, I know they got Wallach back. I know he's not going to take the job from Stassi. They're paying him too much. It's just, man, if Ohapi comes out and has a great spring training, uh, I can't see them just th- giving Stassi the ball. I, I just To me, he's not our catcher, man. He's just not our catcher. I think Stassi's the, your opening day – catcher especially because you know Otani's probably your opening day starter mm-hmm. and obviously you know they they Otani really likes Stassi but um I I do think that by the end of the season Logan Ohapi is your starting catcher you know he's obviously the future that's kind of the hope mm-hmm. but um yeah yeah the there will be at least one big trade made by the Angels I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know if that's for a big back end of the rot- uh, rotation guy, or maybe it's for you know an ace, uh, an ace B. You know, because you obviously have Otani, 
So maybe they're they are gonna try to get a guy like a Shane Bieber or a Glass now, whoever you know that big name is. Maybe it's a shortstop, maybe it's a first baseman, who knows? But the Angels will make one more big trade this offseason. I think you're gonna see one of those names: Suarez, Adele, um, Kai Bush, Jaime Berea. You're gonna see one of those guys traded. It's gonna be you know Luis Renjifo. One of those guys is gonna go with with a package and they're going to get somebody who's jaw dropping like whoa the angels got him that that's my you know bold prediction if it is i'd like to see canning and even rodriguez in that mix no bush i really want to see him in an angel uniform get the opportunity i mean i i know you have to throw it out there because it makes sense but you know, being being uh, greedy and and just being sentimental, I would love to keep him on the roster and let him start his angel career, much like Sandoval did, and and throw because he just again he he looks like a like the prototypical scary left-handed pitcher man, and, and he's got great stuff. I'd hate to lose him unless we're getting unless we're getting a really good haul with proven players, uh, you know, not just one guy. If he's part of a big package, then I don't want to do it. That's just me being selfish. It's just, you know. Well, the good news is that this organization is really good at valuing guys who, you know, have potential like David McKinnon. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's one of those moves that they made. I'm like, God, dude, that's going to bite us. I mean, he went to Oakland. So, you know, he's going to – especially now – you know, hearing like, well, you know, they're not sold on Walsh. Oh, okay. So maybe we should have kept McKinnon. You know, did he, he, he only had a sip of coffee. Yeah. He didn't do much in a sip of coffee, but it was his first time up in the majors. Very seldom do players come up and immediately take the world by storm in the majors. Very rare that happens. Not even Mike Trout did that. That was very disappointing. And I'm glad, I'm glad you brought him up because McKinnon was like, okay, he started out hot. He did start out hot. He, he you know, hit the ball. And then when the pitchers got, a, a you know, a couple, um, you know, uh, what is it called? Uh, when they got the book on him a little bit and he got a few major league bats, they started to bust him in and stuff. But the one thing he did do, he did adjust and start working walks. And he was taking pitchers deep into counts, maybe striking out every now and then, but he would work walks. I felt that if he got more playing time, uh, he could have worked back into getting hits and he would have adjusted back to the pitchers, you know, like, like, like the pitchers adjusted to him. I think he's that kind of player that he's focused enough. He'll make the subtle changes to change up his, his uh, at bats and, and get a little smarter in the box. So yeah, I'm with you. I think they, they gave him not enough time to maturate up here and they kind of rushed him out, which doesn't does it did not make sense. Then it does not make sense now. Because the type of hitter that that the Angels are looking for, he fit the mold as far as being a patient hitter in this new uh, lineup with the new hitting coach. I'll say this about McKinnon. Oh, by the way, he's a free agent right now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, He was released by Oakland. I'll say this. As a minor leaguer, he has a career 412 on base percentage. Mm -hmm. Say what you want about a guy – you know, maybe his batting average doesn't translate once he gets to the majors. But one thing that normally always translates is a guy's ability to get on base. 
you know, if you can get on base via walks in the minors, chances are you're going to be able to do the same thing in the majors because you have a good eye, you have good patience. And most of the time, that will eventually translate to a guy getting hits. I mean, he's a 294 hitter in, in the minors. And I understand that's not great, but his last two seasons, uh, you know, with the Trash Pandas in 2021 and then last year with the Bees, we saw a guy who w- was having a pretty easy time getting on base via the hit and via the walk. So, you know, maybe he's a guy you also think about bringing back along with Jonathan Diaz because, you know, they have potential. And these are the kind of guys that you really need to ride the wave with because they've been there, they've been in the organization, they know the angel way, and that cannot be um, overstated enough how important it is for guys to come up in your organization, to come up with the same group of players, to learn how to play with the same group of players. That way, when the time comes for them to be productive major league players, they're all kind of together because they've all more or less come up together. And they they know what it's like to win together because they've already done it in the minors. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, he's only 28 years old. I think he deserves a shot, whether it's going to be with us or not. That remains to be seen, most likely not. But, like, you know, all things, like you said, if, if perfect world to get him back and to get Diaz back. But uh, we'll have to see, man. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on where this guy goes. Uh, I, I would like to see him succeed, even if it's not in an Angel uniform. As long as it's not a Dodger uniform, I could care less, but I would like to see him succeed. He's a nice guy. We talked to him. Uh, you know, I wish only the best for him. So we'll we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Anything else? I think that's it for me, man. Man. Yeah, that's that's it for me too. I mean, you know, we I, I like the move so far. You know, obviously, I don't think Perry's done. I've we've both said that about twenty times this episode, but uh, that's kind of all you can say on episodes like this. We're obviously not even at the midway point of the offseason. We haven't hit the winter meetings yet, so we'll see what happens. But I, I like these moves early on, and I'm excited to see what Perry can uh, can cook. Exactly. And uh, real quick, getting back to what you said earlier to start the show, which we should be saying, leave a five-star anywhere you listen to this podcast or give a like and share to the uh, YouTube vi- uh, if you're watching the visual right now. And, uh, you know, as far as Heaty's concerned, we've got a lot of stuff coming up on the uh, on the go around. Uh, we're going to be doing player profiles. We're going to be doing uh, seasons. Uh, you know, talking about the random angel stuff, stuff that's in the news. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll still be here as as we've always been. Like as far as an off season uh, uh, form of news and notes for your uh, angels. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And we can't wait for that new season to turn around. It, it it just feels like as soon as football and the Super Bowl are over, I think that's when a lot of people flip the script and they're like, okay, it's baseball time. We're almost at freaking spring training. Pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting soon. Uh, that's when I think it gets heavy and it gets real. It gets real again for the baseball fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready – at the point where I'm ready for baseball to start again. I mean, you know, that's primarily what I care about throughout the entire season sports wise. You know, I know you, you're a football guy. Uh, You know, Randy's a football guy. Normally he's checked out by now with the jets, but the jets are doing well. So he's still, he's still all in on the jets. Yeah, he sure is. I'd be, unfortunately their entire division's doing well. So they're almost in fourth place. (laughs) 
Well, he's gonna hate you for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's there's a there's a you know obviously football grabs you. Um, not as much basketball anymore, so I can care less about that. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I I need the football season to get me through to because there's those t- like I said, I don't follow basketball like I used to. Um, so, you know, I'll watch it through the Super Bowl and then right away I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm ready to go. I know you're baseball 362 and that's, that's kudos to you. And I, you know, I'll follow it and everything, but, uh, I, I know you're waiting to, for the, uh, summer months to kick in and spring training and all that dude. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I'll like periodically check in on hockey. I've done a better job this year cause I've been able to watch almost all the coyotes games because mm-hmm. of ESPN plus and all that. And, you know, I, I find a Coyotes podcast that puts out episodes daily. So I've been able to keep up a little bit more. And that's kind of helped get me through the early part of the offseason. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely start itching here for that baseball uh, crack once, uh, once uh, like, Christmas is over. Yeah, yeah. Definitely it's going to flip the script around there. And then plus you're going to have a lot of – hopefully a lot of baseball news, hopefully a lot of positive angel news. So – We'll definitely see where that goes. Absolutely. So any final thoughts yourself? Uh, No. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, hopefully you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. And go Angels. Viva los angelitos. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.